Please be advised that this podcast may contain strong language and themes of an adult's nature. Juliana, known for packing everything, including the kitchen sink. And everywhere she'd go, her wrapper went. This lengthy fabric of many wonders. It was a happy cape for superheroes. Rapunzel's mane for Disney maidens. An orja to holster babies on backs. And on those baking hot afternoons, Mama's wrapper was the compromise between naked and fully clothed. My comforter on feverish nights. A mat at Christmas when there were more bodies than beds. A cushion to balance a pail of water on my head. A piggy bank. An apron. A curtain. A throw. A shield. I never thought I would have one without the other. Mama's wrapper without Mama. My mother told me that she will buy me a rubber dolly if I was good, good. And now for the Unsullied with Orica Goddess. Get in there. Besides outlining my questions and setting my intentions for each episode, which, by the way, my intention is always just one line item. To have an honest yeah. conversation with my guests and learn through their lived experiences. I usually come to Tuwak. Tuwak being the very long name for my podcast, which is the Unsolved with the Oracle Goddess, which is, is a mouthful. So we just say Tuwak. Yeah. <laughs> I come to the tapings for the podcast blank, curious, and open. Today, however, I have found that in addition to being giddy, because I'm going to speak to this human being, I've also been bracing myself. And I say that not knowing what word I should be using instead, but it's a, it's a new feeling. I mean, this might get weird. I hope I'm speaking too soon. I'm not. I am speaking too soon. I think. I don't know. I feel like this episode might get a bit emotional is what I'm trying to say. And if it doesn't, then awesome. Lucky you, the listener, because yuck, emotions. Um, if it does, then this might be my very questionable disclaimer. Or should that be trigger warning? I don't know. See what you're doing to me. This is already getting very awkward. Okay, so you see, today's guest is someone whose truth and album and friendship has seen me through broke days, through days of, um, should I bring my Tupperware to your house? (laughs) 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 Which has happened. (laughs) Through shame. And even till now, I have days of, ah, I don't know how much to charge them or how do I charge them? And what if they say no? And what if <laughs> on her website, she describes herself as a storyteller working on the intersection of journalism, poetry, performance, and film. But I put it to you that that is a lie for what she does. Borrowing from the title of her recent album absolutely transcends beyond all of that. But we forgive her for trying to considerably fit herself into a very short tagline so that we may decide what mental box we want to put her in. It's a kind gesture, one I wish the world wouldn't ask of her. One that I certainly wouldn't be adhering to when introducing her to you because she is more than I could ever find words for. She is compassion and passion. She is discovery and mission, community and spine. She is sugarcane, not sickly, evergreen, bending determinedly with the wind and breaking her strides only ever with purpose. Today, my inner showgirl is giddy as I share with you one of my 
favorite people in the entire universe. Her name is Wana Udobang. Wana Wana, if you're nasty. And this is why she's on Solid. Welcome, Wana. Leave me. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> oh my god. Leave me alone. Leave me. <laughs> Leave me. Wow. That was a, that was a lot. <laughs> Leave me. I think you already started on an emotional note anyway. I have been emotional all day. Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> that was that was a, that was a lot, girl. All right. So let's start with your origin story. Where, may we meet you? Where are you from? Where your where your family from? <laughs> your ancestors. You? Where did they partake? My ancestors. Yes, yes, yes. Gosh, my origin story. So, um, my parents are from Akwaibom State in Nigeria. They're actually both from the same state, strange. Same village as well? Same local government, but okay. different villages, yeah. Um, I'm the fifth of five children. Um, and I was born in Lagos um, and then went to secondary school in the sixth levels, university. And yeah, I was there for another like almost 10 years and then decided to come back to Nigeria. <laughs> but it was not a really planned return. It was just like I was going to take a year break. You know, I was just tired of London hustle life that year. And I was like, you know what? I just I need to just go and try what's going on somewhere else. So and I came back. But yeah, so my my childhood my childhood, like, it started off really just, like, very typical, like, middle-class Lagos family. My father worked for Guinness, so he worked in, like, a multinational. My mother was pretty much, she was a, when I say housewife, but I think when I was born, she was not a housewife. When I was born, she had, like, a salon and a hair salon and a restaurant. So she was always, like, she always did business anyway. Um, and then, but then my parents' marriage, like, turned quite violent and rocky when I was about eight no, actually, like, let me just say seven, seven, seven-ish. But I think it became very sort of visible and visceral when I was, from when I was about eight. But yeah, so like six, seven, and then they separated when I was 10. So literally when I was going to secondary school, like, that was kind of the end. Um, yeah, and then <clears throat> at that 10 years old, that was where like things in my life really changed. So we moved from being these very assorted, posh children, you know, we had like, so we had like four cars, I think. Yeah, we had like, we had, we had the Sunday Mercedes Benz, my dad's, daddy's car, mommy's car. We had, we had a children's uh, car that my two older siblings used because they were much older than me. Um, I think we even had one children's car. So I think we had, we had many cars, Sha. <laughs> I just remember that we had a drive, you know, like, t- like proper middle class, like in, in my head, I never thought we were well off. That's just because my father was very stingy and very frugal. <laughs> but but <laughs> what I think about it now, I'm just like, uh-uh. We were, we were kind of all right, so, you know. You know, my mother traveled every year. To, like, all my clothes came from England when I was a child. So she traveled every year abroad and bought all our clothes from... It was St. Michael's then before it was Marks and Spencer's. So, and then CNA. So this was, this was... I only... I think we barely wore Made in Nigeria. That was a thing now. Like, my children don't wear me in Nigeria. I still remember even, like, I used to do Taekwondo when I was a kid. See, you know, see the kind of activities your children are doing, martial arts. So, so I used to Taekwondo when I was a kid. And I remember one time um, I had this, like, um, Mickey Mouse track suit. So when I didn't feel like wearing my dojo outfit, I would just wear my Mickey Mouse track suit. So on Saturdays to Taekwondo. <laughs> you know like were those kids we did like competitions in Ikoi club we're members of lagos ikeda country club like where we were those were, were those kind of children 
Um, so yeah, so like by the time we turned 10, my, my parents had split, my dad, my dad left. And of course, like, you know, he, he was clearly like the typical Nigerian family of the times where your mother doesn't, hasn't, doesn't really, in fact, the things that she did was for her to be busy. As Nigerians say, so that you have something doing, you know, so it was literally for us just be busy and other people around, you know, but she, she went to hairdressing school um, at some point. So she was a hairdresser, hairdresser. And um, yeah, she loves cooking. So she always had a restaurant. In fact, at some point she had like two restaurants, I think, um, and two hair salons. That's how, yeah, that's how madame-ish she was. And so like literally we turned 10 years old, I turned 20 years old. My father has left the house and everything. And then yeah, all this there's all this dra violent drama that is carrying on. So we literally become poor. <laughs> like we have no car, we have no. It's just struggle to eat, struggle to go to, struggle to find school fees for us to go to school. My two eldest were much older than me, so they had moved to England anyway, and they were born in England, so they had moved abroad. So we be, we literally became those people where they have to send you, uh, you put small money, for eating every couple of months, you know. Then somehow, somehow, my mom would just, my mom just was always a hustler, to be honest. So I guess necessity. <laughs> so she just figured out how to, she was always trying to figure out how to like, you know, get money for her kids to, to go to school. Because I think at this time I was in secondary school. My two, my, my middle brother was in Unilag. Then the one before me, I think he was just getting into Uniben around that time. I think so. Like finished secondary school, getting to Uniben. So yeah, that was kind of, so basically she became a single mother for, of three children at this point. So that was like, from when I was about 10 till 16, it was just at the bottom, bottom grinding. The only thing I think we had was like the roof of our head. And even that was in contention because my parents were in court for that. So even that, it, did, it wasn't even a safe space. So I, at some point I was usually living with like my neighbors or like I had friends at some point when I was <clears throat> in secondary school. I would just go home with like, I'd go home, drop my stuff and then go to my friend's house. And I'd pretty much be living with, with different people at those points. When I turned 16, moved to England. So I lived with my sister and, you know, just again, enter the giant system of hustle. <laughs> so yeah, that was my life. A whole part of my life, I always say was just a long blur of survival. That was literally a very long blur <laughs> of it. And, and I can't imagine what it was like for your mom as well, because... Nigerian mm -hmm. law and whatever being what it is, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. now, as much as we say, oh, yeah, now women are able to do certain yeah. things in Nigeria because our law has mm, so-called, so-called apparently moved on. Yeah, those days it was so much worse because even when pol police would get involved in the matter, police, would, police, police people would tell you, ah, these family matters, we cannot get involved, you know. Um, Half the time, they'll, be, they'll always tell you, oh, go and settle with your husband, go and settle with your family, or God, why are you treating your family like this now, you know, that kind of thing. So it wasn't like now where I feel like now there's even a lot more protection and there's a lot more stuff that happens. But at the time, it just, it wasn't like that at all. You know, it was literally people were just drawing blood. <laughs> In fact, I feel like, I feel like my, my mom was the only person I knew who was like legally they were going to court to get divorced because most people i knew their husbands had just thrown them out and that was it you know there was no there was no story they would just disappear yeah. yeah yeah that was pretty much it yeah there was no legal there was nothing legal like the husband is as good as dead and you are as good as dead yourself because exactly there was nothing legal or anything like that absolutely absolutely i knew people that you know their their husbands had thrown them out i remember i don't know if it happened to you in secondary school but where you'd see people where their moms used to hide to come and visit them to drop extra provisions for them so their father must not know that their mother came to visit them at school 
So yeah, there were just many horrible stories like that. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that vividly. And if you're listening right now and you're thinking, oh, wow, shocking and whatever, then clearly you haven't listened to any of uh, Wana's albums. There's one where she definitely mentions this. I think it's called Conversation, not, not Conversation with My Dad. Um, what, what happens when your father leaves? No, things you will, things you learn when, when your father leaves, where you, you definitely, definitely talk about that. And even this thing you mentioned about the police saying, ah, we don't get involved with family matters. She definitely talks about that. So if you have, if you're being surprised right now, go and catch up. She's a bit of a big star. It's a big deal, you know? So there's this thing I'm doing right now with my friends who are now starting to give birth to babies and I'm sending them something that's meaningful. Mm. Most of these people have like, you know, um, registries for their kids of course uh, for their baby showers and it's normally like oh you know feeding bottle and mm. whatever but i decided to do something yeah. that i think is meaningful even mm. if they don't use it and it ends up being a coffee book and that is to get them a book and i'm getting them the same book her name is philippa perry it's called the book you wish your parents had read and your children will be glad that you did yeah i haven't read it yet but it's 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 got me thinking about what would i have liked my parents to read before they started having kids so i'd like to ask you yeah about a book title that you would like to give and i'll give an example so yeah. if mm. i were a book so not not so much Ooh. a book that exists right now it's a fictional book or if you were a book instead of your name okay. being wana what would you be called so if i were a book that I wish my parents had read before they had kids, <laughs> I would be called Actions Mean Things. And I would be written by the most objective of Swedish or maybe German authors. You know, someone whose history is as complicated and full of shame as their name is. You know, one of those names <laughs> oh where it, you already know this one had at least two slaves in their in their lineage Ooh. kind of thing and used to do LSD and do shocking yeah. things. You know, one of those ones who bordered on being a sadist, like that man who um, invented the chainsaw, which is apparently how women... Chainsaw, do you know, did you hear about how... Did you hear? Of course you know. Um, the chainsaw was invented by some orthopedist who believed that women needed to be cut in half, like through the bone, when I say cut in half, in order to get the baby out. This is like a whole so King Solomon type this thing. This happened in I the 1800s like... or something like that. Wow. And he invented this That's thing. Crazy. And that is literally, wait, don't make me Google this man's name because when I read it, I was, I was scared and disgusted Ooh. and everything at the, the, the wickedness of men's hearts. Bernard oh. Hein a German back in 1830. Apparently women would come to the operating theater. They're trying Ooh. to give birth. They didn't go through the belly or whatever. They literally would cut through your hip, your bone and carve the child out that way. And just tell the woman, you know, hush, you're making too much noise in the process. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so somebody like that is, is who would write my book. And it, I, I would be called Actions Mean Things. Yeah. As I said, like my life was just like one long blur of survival. So it, it does so many things to you in terms of like, this whole idea of having a thick skin, not blocking emotions, just getting on with stuff. So I think because of that, I was also very, not very empathetic towards people. So when people would be going through things, it didn't make any sense to me why you were wallowing. I literally was not that person you, like if you're going through something, you call me. I'm just like, sorry, how are we moving forward? <laughs> you know, I don't have the, you know, because, because for me, I was just so blinded by my own pain and 
my own mechanisms of moving forward that I did not understand why. And then worse off, like if you weren't, because you know, you're again, you're so blinded by your own pain that anything, everybody else's thing, if it doesn't feel like it matches up to yours, then it's unimportant, you know? So if somebody told me something, I'm just like, I don't understand what's the problem here. So I literally, I can't see what the issues are. <laughs> and like, as far as I was concerned, everybody, everybody that was not serious was just being lazy and luxurious because I did not have time for that, you know? So I wasn't very kind. I wasn't very empathetic. I was just wasn't that person. Cause I just didn't have, I didn't have the emotional time for it. There was no, there was no space to process those kind of things. I remember my mom used to tell me that, you know, you are so hard. You are so hard. And she would say, she would say, not everybody's a shock absorber. I said, please, 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 who has time for all that? You're like this, this thing you're speaking of, it sounds like a you problem and a luxury that I don't have any business being involved in. And it, does that imply that, that she felt you were so hard that you required people around you to, to be absorbent of your, or to numb your, I don't, I don't know. Like, what did she mean by shock absorber? I think she wasn't even, I think, you know, for my my parents' generation, they can't, they can't articulate any of those things, but they just know that she knew that pain had made me hard. She was very, very aware of that. And so my mom's even till today, her, her regular refrain is, wanna forgive, wanna forgive, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because I'm just like, why, why am I having a discussion with this person? What was the point of that? You know, that kind of thing. So right. yeah, um, so she says that even till now she still says that she say you have one are you forgive you are too hard, <laughs> and I'm just like you have no idea how soft I am now, mom, but it's okay, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So I think so I think kindness would be something about like you know, learning kindness or something along something really as simple as that. I think would be. Would be the book I'd give. No, but the simplest lessons are always the, the hardest, hardest to, exactly. to learn. Exactly. Exactly. To accept. And they're always the most important as well. So I don't think the word kindness as a title mm. of a book is 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 yeah. simple at all. I, I like I said, I would definitely It's buy one of the it. most com- yeah. like, complex things to yeah. To just still be kind to people even after like even after all the things that have happened, whether it's not them that harmed you, but even after the things that have happened to you, to not to remain soft is hard. Mm, mm, mm. Do you know what I mean? And even even when you're raising kids as well, there has to be a kindness to the way you discipline. There has to be a kindness to the way you consider the child's emotion and how you have to make sure you're not sort of um, interrupting their own way of processing life, yeah. the life that they see, and you know, impacting their. Um, cognitive growth as it were look at me using words that i don't remember anymore like i went to school and i do think it's the one thing that really stays with people in a very sort of emotional way and and permeates when you spend time with people and you're kind to them even when you're even when you're i don't want to say aggressive but even when you give it to them straight you know they, they can always go back and say but this this person is always kind to me she would she wouldn't say this out of wanting to hurt me right because there's something right there's like a tender underlayer to it all you know and i think that yes. yeah i think yes. that is yes. it's one of the hardest things to do and to be because you have to like be you have to practice it constantly because i think the world is just difficult mm. so the world makes you just makes can make you a terrible person without even knowing so who would be the author of this hey. book like funky akinde <laughs> kindness <laughs> That, now this is where it's gonna be hard. I can't even think who's gonna be. Well, I I, I, will, I will feel like it would just be somebody that I know who I feel like writes about these things well, which is someone like Brene Brown, you know. Okay. Yeah, which I think doesn't answer the question. Okay. But yeah, I feel like America has a very complex history anyway, so 
she kind of works <laughs> works for it. No, that that yeah. works. That works actually. Yeah, I'm actually thinking. I w- I wish. Yeah, yeah that I works. Feel like that works. Like she understands the complexity of the space that she's come from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. So like when you were now a child that was enjoying the luxuries of life. This is before ten. Are there any obscure maybe TV shows or TV commercials, mm. radio commercials, whatever, or films that you remember watching? So not nothing like Sound of Music, because I think everybody remembers Sound of Music, but something really obscure that if you mention now, people will look at you and be like, how the hell do you remember that? I don't know if I don't know if I'm trying to think if I watch anything obscure because so the thing was I had like three brothers and a sister. So I watched everything they watched and I listen to everything they listen to. We watched a lot of um, martial arts films. So blood sports, everything with, and everything with Dolph Lundgren in it. Everything with um, Van Damme. So be honest, is this why you did Taekwondo? Yes, everything with Van Damme in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I loved Enter the Dragon. So I could memorize all the lines from Enter the Dragon. Be like water. <laughs> oh, wow. It's like a finger pointing to the moon. <laughs> Never take your eyes off your opponent or you will miss all that heavenly glory. <laughs> so people do this to Lion King. I've yeah. never seen someone do this. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> to a Taekwondo film. Yes. And then we watched a lot of like Seven Brides with Seven Brothers, like all those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All those kinds of. So I, I don't know that I've, we really watched anything obscure that I can think of. I feel like we're watching things that, are, that were just like trendy at the time. So, so you never got into things like Indian films, like oh Amar yes, well that wasn't obscure. Everybody watched like Bollywood films now. Nagin, the Snake okay, Girl, they all did. Burning Train. Did you know that Mark Anthony is on Netflix now? Oh my goodness, are you serious? There's the old one. There's a new one. Wow! Like they've modernized modern day shot in twenty. 16 or whatever wow. it is on Netflix and I'm just like I think there's even a series oh my goodness I haven't watched it I just remember flicking past I was like wow this wow. is a blast from the freaking past yeah so with these things are there any is there anything that you that you think might have stuck with you because you there's something about it you connected with and has it stayed with you like some like a weird lesson for example mm. my own is Mother India and I remember besides the fact that we everybody cried during Mother yeah. India but I remember some of the lessons were that a woman's love for her child mm. and, you know, nation and all of that. But like those films then, I used to see how a lot of women suffered yeah. just needlessly and endlessly. And I was like, this level of suffering, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know that I was that mentally aware as a kid, man. <laughs> oh, I was. And... And for me, over life, even as a teenager, I always used to say things like, I would never want to be in a situation where my money is not complete. And I mean that in the sense that I will always need to have money saved somewhere. You know, I never want to be in a situation where I'm homeless because my husband died and the family member said, get out, we don't know you. Because I kept watching movies like that where women just kept being put in the most compromising of situations. And so it's actually one of my big phobias. I'm really, really afraid of being homeless. And it's actually happened to me twice in my life, despite all my lessons from Mother India. There was one instance, I, I was sharing a flat with uh, with uh, this Japanese friend of mine in England. And then she got this wayward boyfriend who would just chain smoke, all sorts of nonsense, all day and then they went behind my back and put his name on the lease and got my name off the lease and so when the contract was due for renewal um the landlord was basically like i don't recognize you 
And unfortunately for me, I, there was a period where, because we've been staying in the apartment for two years already, and there was a period where my role got made redundant. And so I struggled because we were paying monthly. So there were two months where I struggled a little bit to catch up on rent. But once I did, was now the period where she now had gone and changed my name off the lease. So I came back from work one day and found my things on the street. And I had to start calling friends in London and just saying, I'm sorry, who has a shed that I can, if not stay in, put my things in. And so the fact that despite my fear, despite my lessons learned from movies, it's happened to me twice in my life. It's made it even, even more scary that anything can happen. Yeah. Still to come on The Unsullied. When you have been just in the doldrums for so long, when all your life, all you've known is how to adapt and survive. Anything else just feels like you're asking for too much. If I was good, good, good. All right. So if you were to describe yourself at a particular age, I wanted to say eight, but then mm. you've already told me what happened in eight. eight okay. And I feel like that was kind of traumatizing. Yeah. So maybe you want to pick something else. Should we jump to teenager? 21? Yeah, we can, ju- we can jump to teenager. Okay. Or a year. Should we pick a random year? Okay. I'm trying to think. Because I think, I think once I pick the year, I think of, I think of my life in ages. <laughs> I think of my life. I think of my life in ages. Do you remember 95? 95, I was, just, I was in JS2. So half of it, you're in, you're in school. So it was board, mostly boarding school. Mostly boarding school life, which was just trash. <laughs> Boarding house, trash life. But I will pick. Do you know what? Actually, I will pick a year. Um, and it, it was a, it was a struggle year, but it was a very interesting struggle year. Um, so that year, it was the year I was going into SS three, um, which was I think it was ninety nine. Yeah, it was ninety nine. Summer, as you say, summer holidays. That's September. Summer, summer house. And so it was interesting that so be, just before. Um, that particular year at school, I remember there was this girl, um, you know, when you've worn your school, your school uniform for so long <laughs> that there are holes in it. <laughs> so, but they have killed me. <laughs> so my, yeah, so my school skirts, <laughs> so you know, you've worn this school set, SS1, SS2, all the, because I went to like army, um, military boarding school, so command, secondary school. And so our seats were these metal seats and they just, they literally ruin your fabric. So half the time, some nail has punctured something. And then, you know, you keep sewing it, you keep stitching it <laughs> till this can't stitch no more. So, so literally, I think there was literally a hole around my bum. So I'd stitch, stitch, stitch. The stitch was not, at this point, the fabric was like, we can't stitch again. So I think throughout SS2, I was just tying a cardigan oh, on my gosh. waist. So I remember one girl now saying to me, she was like, she's like, ah, that one, you need to go and get, you, you kind of need to go and get sc- new school uniform. I was, you know, when you're just, Wait, I also want you, but who asked you? Do you think I don't know that I've been stitching? You know, this? like who asked you at the end of the day? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, ah, so I got home now for summer holiday. And then, um, we didn't have, we had this ladder in our house. So we used to rent, we would rent, at, and this ladder came from, I think when my father still worked at Guinness. So we just, we had a ladder. Don't ask me why we have a ladder. Anyway, so at this point, we actually start, we had been renting for years. We had been renting the ladder out for, I think it was 100 naira an hour or something. Um, and so we, that particular year, that, so that holiday, we, the money from the ladder was our breakfast money. So it was me and two of my brothers. Um, so what you should have, what used to happen was 
when we rent the ladder for the day, the 100 naira, we all get 20 naira each. So you can either buy a loaf of bread, one of those big agege bread. There's always like one dead stew in the house that they scattered fish inside. That stew, you use it to eat okra, you use it to eat bread in the morning. <laughs> one nation stew. Yes, this is why I hate okra till today, yeah, because okra does, people don't know why, okra doesn't finish. So you keep pouring water inside and pouring water inside and pouring water inside. <laughs> When I'm dead. Listen, that was my. I learned new skills that year. <laughs> anyway, so you could either choose to buy your one big, the big agege bread because you know we're only eating twice a day. It's that bread in the morning and then you eat either rice or a bite in the night. So you want to fill yourself up, you buy your 20 naira bread and eat it with that dead stew. Or if you, the day you feel like being luxurious, you buy one egg, 10 naira, you buy 10 naira bread. <laughs> so. But of course, when I needed a new school uniform, my mother cannot afford to buy uniform. In fact, uniform is such a luxury. I can't be asking her for uniform money when she's going to look for money to pay school fees. Do you know what I mean? She's not in work. She's, no, she, my mother is not university educated. So she's just going to look for any kind of hustle to just bring money in. So I had to, what I was doing was I was keeping my 20 naira for the three months. To now kill it off, the tailor now made it out, made it short. Oh no! And this is like an army school, so you can't even get away with the leg. Do you know what I mean? Listen! No. So you are going to just deal with flogging when you get to school. So I've already stopped for three months just to get <laughs> new school uniform. And then my check is now like super short. Like, yeah, so that was i can never forget that some summer of 99 that's what i call it the summer of 99 i thought you were gonna give us something like you know how prince was like let's party like it's 99 yours was like no let's let's no. not no, <laughs> let, no let's not do that no <laughs> my brothers and i we always say okra is the smell of poverty oh my gosh <laughs> For us. i see that now but you know what i i always remember that summer because i think it reminds me that like of like anytime I feel like, okay, I'm going through stuff. I'm like, oh, how am I going to deal with this? I'm like, Wana, if you can't well, stop yourself months. to buy school uniform, there's nothing you can't do. So yeah. So I think my mom found the money to pay for the sewing. Of oh, the uniform, so she cottoned on to what you had done. So she While then, used, oh, bless yeah, her. she knew what, yeah. So, and then from there, so she was able to find money for the sewing, for the tailoring. So I, I used the money I had saved from my breakfast to buy the fabric. All right. So what kind of things would you say that you do now because... A part of you remembers an item from your childhood and on some level you're running away from it. Just a chronic fear of dependence. Chronic, chronic fear of dependence. You know? I have that fear too. And it, it affects me and relationships. I, I actually realize now th that there's one relationship that I had that we kept arguing and arguing. And it's only now I can look back because I spent a lot of time over the past two years doing some inward work. Yeah. And I now realize that, oh, that relationship was always doomed to fail because I was too afraid of becoming dependent yeah. on yeah, him on somebody. through no, no mm -hmm. fault of his own. Yeah. I remember I was always complaining that I felt like I was always the only one who was always doing things for people. But I never felt it, it was like this, there was this automatic thing that people always felt that, oh, Wana is strong and she has it together. I'm like, nobody ever asked me how I'm doing or how, you know, or if I need help with something. And they're like, D because you don't give that impression. impression. And I, I, I was like, I don't understand. How do you give the impression? So I don't even know what it feels like to act like you need something or to, you know, do you know what I mean? I think there's a language of drowning that some people learned that some of us it 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 passed us by that we didn't we didn't we didn't we didn't collect on the road 
And uh, I think, um, and I think, yeah, so I think also, you know, like the body keeps score of things. So even when you don't know that you're doing something, your body is emitting the energy that you don't need anything or you don't need help. So I, till today, I'm always confused. I'm like, what do you guys mean by I don't act like I need something? I, don't? I was like, when I need stuff, I ask. They're like, you ask, but even the way you ask, you don't ask like you need the help. You just ask like, oh, just if you have, if you can help me do, or, you know, if it's, a, it's always a by the way, it's not a thing of use actually. Like, so I, I realized I never actually ask for what I need. Mm. It's always, it's okay. If you can do it, you know, it's cool, but it always seems like I'm doing it anyway. Um, so yeah, there was a chronic fear of dependence. Um, money of course was a very big issue because when you come from a place where you have, you have it all and then you wake up and you don't have it. The one thing you don't want in your life against to ever get stranded, you know? Um, so I remember there's a comedian. Oh, damn it. I forget who it is now. It's not Kevin Hart, but one mm. of those American convenience who talked about, it might be Chris Rock. I think it's Chris Rock about being broke and his father, no, his mother, well, one of his parents, yeah, um, basically have this memory of being broke to the point that even when things got good, they would still do things like, you know, keep toothpaste a bit too long because you, you remember that broke so well that even though you're now, you're so rich that you have 20 houses, in each of those 20 houses, you go into where you can, you have the most opulent thing, but you always go to one room and there'll be one corner where there's just something there that's a symbol of this person used to be very, very poor. Yeah. It's almost like you're like an automatic, like you just start acting like a doomsday prepper. <laughs> so there's, there's always like backup money for, I remember like, I always have account, bank accounts. Mm. <laughs> mm. I actually wanted to ask you, if you find that over the years you've learned that there is a language to being a person who knows or loves or wants to be around Wana, and have you then started expressing this language to other people so that they are aware? For example, if Wana needs help, you might see it as Lara. No, this is when Wana says this. This is what I actually mean. When my body does this and mm. I'm not aware, yeah. Well, what you should see is that Wana needs. Blah, blah, blah. Have you found that you've had to start doing that as yeah. you've learned more about yourself? And does it help? Yeah, I, th I feel like I've had to, I feel like I've had to, um, like, be, be, learn to be okay with being uncomfortable to, in, in terms of asking and saying the things I want. I think it just required a lot of vulnerability. Like, I thought I was vulnerable, but I realized that there's a ne another level of vulnerable I had not unlocked. <laughs> basically you know i think what happened was i i thought i was vulnerable because i was open about things in my life but i think that wasn't even the, that was just one level like another level was actually being able to say i don't know how to do this i really need your help like even something as little as saying that so compared to before if i would say oh hey um so um i just wondering do you know anybody that blah 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 you know it would be like i'm just asking for a suggestion it's a hard level for some people to tap into. And I include myself in this box because I I, rem I have such vivid memories. Of, so there was a period in my life from between, oof, maybe 10? From 10 to possibly 16. Wow, that's a parallel to what the story you were telling as well, isn't there? Um, from, yeah, but there's a period in my life where I moved around a lot, like... I used to tell people then as a joke that I felt like there's a, there's a movie called uh, Problem Child. I don't know if you remember. And I used to joke that I felt like Problem Child. And this, for those who haven't seen this film, this film starts with a child in a nursery, in a basket, in a Moses basket, just showing up on a door. 
And I just remember I was very young when I first saw that film and I immediately just keyed into it. And I identified to the feeling of showing up at someone's door and being someone's responsibility who hasn't asked for you. And I felt like that from a very young age. And every time I moved around to live with another auntie or uncle or whatever it is, I yeah. told myself that for me to stay in this environment, I need to be as invisible as possible. As possible. To not I have be- any wahala, to not have any needs or wants. If it's school we're going to, my grades must be amazing. If people are eating and they forget to give put meat in my plates, you know what? We're vegetarian today. Like... I felt like I had no right to do anything but to breathe quietly and out of sight. I remember for a very long time, I squashed any appetite for anything because I was like, I, I wanted to make sure that um, I, want, I needed so little in life, be fortified and self-sufficient enough to never need anything from anybody. Yeah. No, even now when... I have some friends who are like, oh, they're going window shopping and I don't understand. I still don't understand the concept of window. I understand the concept of this is how much I have this month of this. This is what I need. Like even when people are like, oh, I'm buying, you know, whatever it is, maybe you're buying two pairs of shoes. I'm thinking, okay, are you buying black or, 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 you know, and they're like, oh no, I'm buying because I need another red. I'm like, I don't understand. You're buying red. First of all, how many times will you buy, will you wear a red shoe? No, you buy black because you will always need black. In fact, why do you need random color like turquoise? You're never going to use it for anything. <laughs> you know, because, you know, once somebody has like some luxurious thing they want to do, you're like, I don't understand why. You guys are so wasteful. And I'm like, anyway, you poor parents, so it's fine. Can you remember the first time you allowed yourself to experience what we deem as luxuries? that other people have allowed themselves oh, to experience. And what did that feel like ripping off that band-aid? And did you enjoy it? When you pay 60 pounds and you don't blink for a taxi from Heathrow Airport to into London. Well, now the fact that you just said 60 pounds and you didn't blink during you don't this conversation blink. is problematic for me. <laughs> <laughs> you actually didn't blink as you said it. No, this is a problematic conversation. Do you know there are some things I spend money on every day. I'm just like, Wow, Wana, is this you? Is this I you? I don't believe it. You know, I okay. I also remember one. In fact, this one was like a breakthrough moment because my friend was there. She was she was in awe because she's known me since I was ten years old. We went we went shopping, and we went into phase eight. And you know, phase eight, like yeah. all there is all this, like yeah, very, yeah. very white lady, um, basic item for like yeah. fifty pounds, and there was this jumpsuit. And I was like, man, I was like, if you want this jumpsuit is mad. And she's like, once it's mad, it's mad. But she was not, she was just going to say, you know, you, you, you buy it. And it just, I think it was a hundred pounds. And she just, I just said, yeah, so I'm, you know, and she was just looking at me like, once, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? Did we win the lotto? So I now said, I said, you know what? I just realized that there's no point. All this like buying cheap stuff that gets, that goes off. Like, you know, it rips or whatever. I was like, just, you know, right now, I just buy a few quality things. I don't need to be carrying three boxes of junk back to Nigeria. Just, you know, if just buy a few things, one nice jumpsuit, one, you know, dress, one blah, blah, blah. She was just looking at me in awe. She was like, once, I don't believe this is you. Till today, she reminds me of it. So I think that's definitely the moment, one of the moments that mm. I was like, aware that okay, and as you, as you gave the, them we are breaking this chain as you gave <laughs> gave them your card to pay for it what did i feel i didn't like even feel you? any i didn't feel really? anything but what happened no but it was when i got home i was just looking at it by no no be more but i was just like this jumpsuit is 100 pounds god damn it 
My tailor can sew it. <laughs> tailor Laurent. No, but it fits so perfectly. Because I always have a jumpsuit with tailors. It's either there's like camel toe or just something weird, you know? It's one of those one, garments that feels like it's stressful for them to construct. I don't know why. One Niger tailor tried to make a jumpsuit for me once and then did a did a shoddy job. Okay. And then said, eh, it's because one of my breasts is smaller than hey, the other. Hey. And I said, They will give you oh. one story. I didn't know. You know, my whole life I've lived with these two breasts. I didn't know that one was smaller. Thank you smaller. so much. And yet, I have somehow managed to wear every other outfit till today. Perfectly. <laughs> Perfectly. But now, well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's not your problem. <laughs> so I think, I think that, that was definitely the moment I knew that, okay, we are breaking this chain. I think it was that and then paying for like a taxi. And I was like, wow okay this is interesting you know? the only time <laughs> you know? i have done the heathrow to whether i'm going to my parents outside london or mm. um you know seeing a friend in london whatever the only time i've not i've not done the underground thing are times when i went on a work trip and so somebody okay, else so that paid that paid, paid for that paid bill. for it but on my own mori <laughs> my no. own naira I'm sorry, let me remind you that when I worked on radio, I earned between 50 to 150,000 naira a month. I know. So I when know. you now tell me that after I have some, through miracle, have managed to save to buy economy seat tickets eh, <laughs> to go to the abroad to see my family who haven't seen me in at least two to three years, I'll now get to London Heathrow and give them what? 60 pound of my words? You know the other thing I realized about this thing as well because it does, it's, I'm going to be honest, it also doesn't come naturally. So it's not like, oh, you broke this chain and it's wonderful now and now I can spend things on myself. I found that I had to also um, practice it and part of doing that was also planning it into something. So I know I'm, I'm sort of teasing about this whole spending money on, on uh, taxi and things. And I, I'm really just teasing. Part of our own growth as well is to be able to identify some things that we do that shouldn't, we shouldn't allow it to be okay behavior. And it's yeah, important, like yeah. you rightly pointed out as well, that if something feels like it might be too much of a luxury or you don't deserve it, ask yourself why you feel mm. you don't deserve it. And absolutely. absolutely budget it into your plans. If budgeting in a, in advance will if help you. That's what's going to exactly. make you feel better. Because feel struggle life, yes. like, nobody came here to just struggle and die. Like with nobody. Nah. Yeah, I th you know, I think I think also like when you've um, when you spend so long surviving, yeah. right? Um, again, it, it, it comes like built into your DNA. It's also very. I don't even beyond the fact that I feel it's addictive. Um, it's all you've. It's all you know. And so you have to yeah. learn something else. So for me, like, I've had to start learning how to thrive and not just survive. Like, how can I live a life that, I'm, that is enjoyable, that I'm enjoying, not one where I'm constantly trying to mitigate something or everything has to feel like I'm toiling through something because that's all I've known for such a long time. Because it becomes like a way of life for you that you're constantly always thinking of, oh, how am I going to survive this or get through this or get through that? So you sometimes you don't even recognize mm, ease when it happens. Mm, mm, mm. So it sounds to me like you have definitely have had several points in your life where you've transitioned from um, either, uh, well, I don't want to say neglect because that wasn't it. Because you always had at least yeah. one parent or family member present um, yes, who yes, been, been there for you. Yeah, so yeah. you've transitioned from... Uh, different types of needs to different 
types of awareness of what you want and stuff. So I, I just want to understand, yeah. do you see that clear line of demarcation as well? Of is it? Would you say like it's a per decade or every five years or every four years? If you were to, you know, um, sort of quantify it, would you say that you can clearly see in your lifetime yeah. you've had a... A, a clear period of um, transition and has does that does that only exist in your personal life or did that cross over to your professional life as well and have you had to transition through career paths as a result of your own personal growth I think it definitely crosses over to everything so I think for me that's how it's always been I'm always unlocking something new I'm always unlocking something different I'm learning something new I'm dropping some old things um, I'm finding that you know, sometimes as well, I also don't even who I was, even if, yeah. So even if I said earlier that, you know, if the person I was before, um, you would have not really liked that person. I also don't, don't demean that because I think, I, I don't think I would have been able to survive without that person. But I'm turning 36 this year. And I think it was something about turning 35 for me last year that um, just felt like, you know, it was a system upgrade was automatically happening anyway. And writing the album was part of it. So I think that writing, writing the album was a huge part of like unraveling for me. And it was a very like emotional kind of unraveling because I felt like I'd done a lot of like physical work. And I was now I, like, I think from 30 to 35, I was aware of things. You know, I was aware of behaviors. I was aware of the things I was doing or who I was or how I, my coping mechanisms. Um, and I could catch myself when I was doing certain things. Um, but I think that there was a lot of like emotional work I hadn't done. And I think just getting 36 was that. It was like, you needed to upgrade that as well. And how did you um, know that it was time to do the emotional work? Is it that somebody pointed it out? Did you have to go through therapy? Was there a spiritual guide or you dreamt? Like how, what, what was that? moment for you so i think we were at, we were in kaduna for the festival and then of course i bought like lots of drink i made sure i like i brought in contraband alcohol and you know snacks <laughs> and i was like guys you know my room they were like what where are we hanging i was like where else you know so everyone's gathered in my room so for the three days we're all in my room and i think there was some point we're just having you know and you know how we it always happens we have end up having all these really deep conversations and so there's these conversations happening and at some point of course just now focused on me and asking me all these like emotional questions about like relationships and different things. And then it became like an intervention. And people started telling me how they, like the people, they were all my friends. They started telling me about how they felt about my, you know, me or Wanna, what I was giving off. The universe will always show up. That's all I know. Whether you dial in or not, the universe will be like, today's the day. This woman needs to hear it. Because what are the odds that it then becomes an intervention? Yeah, it literally was an intervention. My friend Titi started calling it the convening. <laughs> and then, of course, I think that was like September. My birthday was in September anyway. Um, come October, we're at Ake Festival again. And then a bunch of, we're the same people. They're like, hey, so guys, what was Wana's room? So we go to my room again. And this intervention is repeating itself again. In fact, there's somebody who wasn't there the first time. And she comes in and she's putting her own mouth too and saying her own thoughts. I was like, guys, what is going on? <laughs> you know? So... It just felt like they saw things about me that I didn't see for myself. And I think that was part, definitely part of that, that whole intervention was part of it. Those two interventions, actually. Um, and then I think come October, I, I decided like I, I was, all the festivals were done. And then I decided I need to write this album. So um, in November, yes, I was shut down and I was literally writing this album. And so I think a lot of it was about me confronting very like in, like honest, like calling myself on my own bullshit and confronting emotions honestly. And so that's even where the track Sister Circle um, comes from. 
from those um, those particular interventions. Ah. Yes. So that's where they that's where they come from. And I and I also realized that these things were applying to just regular friendships as well, you know. So I think it was it was all of that. I feel like was part of the beginning of that that whole process. I re- even remember. So one of my friends who was part of the people in the intervention, Adikbara. So she did this thing at the festival where, so after the night of the whole intervention, the next day she goes, oh, do you want some ice cream? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then she was, and she goes, um, I was like, oh, who's getting it? She was like, I'm getting it. I was like, oh, okay. Then she just looked at me like, I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Because she was, they said, I, they, one of the things they had said was like, mm-hmm. I need to be open to receiving. You know, that was one of the things they said. And so she goes, and she goes and buys the ice cream. So I was like, okay, I'm, don't worry, I'm open, I'm open. So she goes, buys, she says, what flavor do you want? I was like, vanilla, I guess. Again, I'm not used to people asking me what I want. So it's the first thing that comes to my mind. So she goes to the ice cream stand, is getting the ice cream, and she looks at me and she's like, do you really want vanilla? And I was like, okay, what else is there? Again, I'm not used to people asking me what I want. I'm not used to options. So then she says, well, there's pistachio, there's this, there's that. I was like, okay, pistachio. You know, then she gets me the ice cream. She gives me the ice cream. I was like, where's yours? And she's like, I don't want any. And I was like, why did you just go and buy ice cream? She was like, wanna? Because sometimes it's, so, it's always so easy to say stuff. And it's, it's just, it just sounds like a term. When somebody says, oh, you're not, you're, you know, you need to be open to receiving. Mm. What does that look like in real life? And I think that's really important to me now. What do things look like? Like, I want feelings to be tangible, you know? Um, even Titi said something to read during the intervention. She was like, well, why not let me give you an example? I said, Cause I was like trying to defend myself. I was like, no, I disagree. I disagree guys. And she said, let me give you an example. She was like, two th- last week you said you were going to cook for me. And I was like, uh-huh. And she was like, I told you, I wanted to give you, send you some money. I said, but it was just stuff that was already in the house. She said, it doesn't matter. As long as somebody offers, you collect it. Even if they are going to use the money to buy credits, it doesn't matter. I was like, no, but that's weird now, blah, blah, blah. She was like, no, you just say, okay, cool. And so they started telling me, they were like, like, Arit goes to me. She says, do you realize that every time we come to your house and you cook, nobody ever brings anything and you don't ask for anything. Not even do you not ask for anything. You actually pointedly tell us don't bring anything. You actually say, don't bring anything. (laughs) I'm still going through a lot of this emotional, like sort of unraveling, I think. Um, I'm learning new things every single day, you know, um, but yeah, some things are as little as even when somebody is talking to you or and praising you and mm, saying nice mm. things to you, just sit down and take it. Don't don't try to cover it or change the subject. Like you're deserving of the praise, you're deserving of the affirmation. Just sit down and take it and say thank you. So there are two things there are two things I'm learning from what you're saying mm. right now. One of it is it's all well and good to have friends who are well meaning. Yeah. But if they see things that they want to work with you on and if they have been receiving of things from you in the past, mm. then they should be able to point out things and, and put things, good things into your life the way you have done for them. Absolutely. And with that respect, it's not enough for them to say, Wana, you should be more receiving. They should mm. show you what more receiving yes. Yes. means. Yes. And that doesn't mean give, give you an example of, oh, okay, so when I phone you, no, 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 uh, no, no actually no, no, no. work you through the process because yes. it's through practical things that Absolutely. we unlearn our muscle memory and our bad behavior. Mm-hmm. We unlearn mm-hmm. through doing. And so yes. when you have friends around you, when you have people who care about you, it's very important that they do with you as opposed to just yes. stand over you and I- tell you and wag their finger. 
Absolutely. And, and you know what that also does for you? When you even find yourself in newer relationships and friendships, whatever those kinds of relationships are, you also know what it feels like when you know when somebody is either generous or kind. Like, you know what kindness feels like. Feels like genuine kindness. Not I'm doing this so that you can think of me in this way. No, this is just... Yes. You know what thoughtfulness feels like, you know, when you are in a different country and your friend does like sends you a gift on amazon like does you know the kind of thing like you're thinking nobody's thinking about your birthday at this point or whatever it is and so you get something in the post <laughs> that that isn't a bill <laughs> because it's a thoughtful thing to do so you know what thoughtfulness looks and feels when like when you get something in a post that isn't <laughs> wait, a wait, bill wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you know what i mean like um, but I think it's like having, I think it's so, it's so necessary to have people in your life that show you what it mm. means to be loved. Like how love, what does love really feel? So I actually had a question, um, that I wanted to ask you about friendship and it's, I just find it so curious that we've already sort of arrived there a little bit, but I just wanted to point out another yeah. gift. I mean, another thing that I've learned from what you said, and that is to do with gifts, um, for those who are biblical, you will be aware of things like, you know, the gifts mm-hmm. of the spirit and something else that you've taught me now in this conversation is that when we turn things down from people who offer us, there is a version of us also turning down certain gifts of the spirit. So if God is trying to do something for mm. us and we're saying, God, mind your business, that, I don't girl. want it. And God is like, no, I, I yes. want you to have this. I want you to have this, even if you think it's an excess item you don't want, maybe God wants you to have it yes. to give onto somebody else who could do with oh, it. Oh, yeah. I never thought about but that. But then you're either. saying no. And so you're blocking not just for you, but for, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Absolutely. That domino effect of, yeah. So, no, yeah. you've literally just taught me that now that I, I need to think no, outside I of myself. No, I didn't even think about that. But that mm. is so, and that is so true. Yes, that is so true. That is so, so true. Wow. I've never thought about that. But uh, yeah, I think that it, I, I feel like in the past year, I've just been blessed to, because it's, these friendships are not even, they're not new, to be honest. They, these people have been friends for such a long time, but even just being in a situation where they're, they're pointing out, they're showing me. And I think even these people are also doing the work on themselves, which is beautiful. You know, it's nice when you're in situations where people are talking about what they're experiencing, what their own emotional work is, what that process is like. We're all talking each other through our experiences. Like we're all meditating. We're we're sharing our revelations and our readings that we get during our meditations to each other. And sometimes it's like, I like, I can't, you know, I, sometimes I get like, I'll go walk in the morning and I feel like I'm getting this message or this information. And I'll call a particular friend and say, how are you? Like, I just feel like, you know, this message is for you. Or this message I'm getting, and I don't know if it applies to you, but I just thought I should tell you. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you just feel a sense of something going on. Um, and I think it's just beautiful to be in that position right now where I have these kinds of relationships where I can share. You can really share stuff and say, this is how I'm feeling about this. This is like, I'm being I really want really to go back honest. and sister circle now with this renewed eye and ear you've just given me yeah. just to just re- appreciate that 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 piece in your on your album now yeah oh, no, it was like you know when you're writing something and i like you're writing it and you're trying you're still trying and that's the thing like you know people think that poetry is like this vulnerable thing but poetry can be this thing where you hide behind you hide you can easily hide behind all these pretty words and not say it. so for me it was like i was like i was writing and i, I was like if you are going to do mm. this you need to do this so for me that that album was very very divine 
divinely orchestrated. Um, you know, it was part of my own personal healing work that was going on. So even when I, when people say, oh my God, it was so raw and so this and so that, I was like, were you think, were you worried? I said, I wasn't thinking about that in the moment. All I just, in that moment, it was like me, oh, God was just scattering my, me to pieces. <laughs> so in the end, I feel like it was like, I'm done with you now. You can and do it's it like what we said world, earlier about you know? transitioning and, you know, every this, for you, you said, you think it's more like every five years where you transition from one version of yourself and, you know, no, not so much that you become a completely different person that hasn't taken it, but it's like you're updating, you're upgrading yourself. And I feel like with this album and you being you, there's several, several, severally more, severally, as we say here, <laughs> more ahead in terms of albums, books, film, everything. But on this one i feel it's absolutely about you know this is you having to shed that another yet another layer even with the album art that you had that came out with this work you're just so revelatory and um and obviously i know the work that you've done in terms of like with with different projects i don't know people who follow you on instagram might have seen the work you've done in terms of um the physicality of the, the female body you know, there was one time when there's one, with, I think it went viral once where you were walking through the market and you were blind, um, you, you couldn't see and yeah. What? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you still remember your stands that one. Are your stands, oh, wow. you know? <laughs> that is such a... <laughs> so you, you've been exploring the, the physicality of, of, yes. the, of the human body. See, Rex, this is why I like you. <laughs> Some people be acting brand new. <laughs> Like, we've been doing this work a long time. No, but I completely agree with you. Yes. You're listening to The Unsullied with Orica Goddess. That's me. And this episode was edited by 808 Extra. You can find them on Instagram at 808XTRA. If I was good, good, good. So going back to what I said I needed to ask earlier about the, the friendship is I was actually wondering if as you've transitioned through mm. time, through body, your own body and your own experiences, have you also mm. had to transition through friend groups? Have you had to let some friendships go? Are there some friendships oh, yeah. that you've realized it's toxic for whatever reason? Are there some friend groups that mm. you know doesn't necessarily work for you, but you tap back into for whatever reason, you know? And, and how do, do mm. you help other people navigate understanding what they bring to friendships and what they need to take away from and when they really need to lift themselves up by the bootstrap or ears and get out of a friendship circle gosh this is a very like important question actually um because this is i think this has also been a part of the process i've never really had people that i will call toxic i've never i've never really experienced that to be honest Necess I, I, well, I don't think I have, but I'm sure some of my friends are saying, mm, another day, but they be off, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I do think one of the things I, I, I know was that I was always, I always had this experience where I felt like I was always the one giving of myself to certain friendships. I was always the one doing all the work, you know? And even when, and I had one particular friend, and even when I would sort of say it, she would always say, oh, what do you mean? What do you mean? You know, it was always like, rather than address it or deal with it or, you know, admit that, girl, you don't do no work in this stuff. It's just me. Um, it was always like, oh, what do you mean? What do you mean like, by that? You keep saying that all the time, you know? Um, and the one thing I new thing I learned was negotiation. Because I also found like, I was just always very intense. So when this thing would happen, I would have other friends that would be like, cut this person off, move on, you know? 
but I would still feel very hurt or very like, I don't, you know, like this girl is, you know, I, it, it just, it stays with me. But one thing I started learning was like renegotiating, which was that I can negotiate how much of myself I give into that situation, right? So yes, I'm an intense person. Yes, I am like, I love, you know, I love to throw myself at things and people or whatever, but it do, I don't think it's a bad thing. So that's another thing. Like I had to learn that things about myself aren't bad. It's just not everybody deserves that. <laughs> Like, you also need to know who, who is of value to give all of this to in the intense way, right? So I think one of the things I learned was, look, you can renegotiate your involvement in friendships and in certain situations. So, and I think that was the thing I started learning how to do. And then even within the relationships that I had, I think it was very important to find ways to, to talk about expectations, so that people know who you are and what is important to you. Because I think sometimes we talk about, as friends, we just just so much, we forget to actually have these conversations about ourselves and what we need from each other. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I feel, I, I, now I don't shy away from those kinds of conversations. Um, you know, what I, I so sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't even happen as, as it happens as, as a, just a by the way, like, you know, for me, friendships are important. You can just be just in friendships are important. One of the things I, I want my friends to do this is because it's what I do for them. And people are, they, they are listening. They're like, ah, oh, okay, this is important to this person. This is what they need from you. Blah, 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 blah. You know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think being like being able to, this thing about being vulnerable enough to be honest you know, in the, to the people in your life, what you need from them, what you require from them. Because like, I think it's part of, part of that vulnerability is understanding that, you know, we're all interdependent and we all need each other. And so be able to say, I need you in this particular specific way, mm, mm, mm. I think is necessary. And those things allow the relationships to grow. And for someone like you, or at least the person you used to be, who didn't know how to ask for things because you felt like, we, do, we don't ask. We just take what we're given. I can see how you wouldn't have had to yes. you know, know how to negotiate or, or ask for certain types of friendships back then, whatever they give you. No, no, you wouldn't negotiate anything. So you just take what it is that you get. Then you accept that, you know what, maybe I'm just intense and that's just who I am. And then, but then you're always resentful because you go through these moments where you're incredibly lonely or you're incredibly overwhelmed. And then there's no one coming to your rescue. Because you're, you're constantly expecting your friends to be emo emotionally intuitive. And I think that's not a skill that everybody has. But you ha and, and like you said earlier, you haven't taught them how to be emotionally intuitive for you. So, so even when they don't show up for you, sometimes it's not always... Exactly. And you know, like, I think this is very similar for both of us. If, you're, if you come from a situation where you've, you've always had to suppress certain things about yourself... Because you're always, you're always watching spaces. You're watching people. So you know what version of yourself to give. You know what they, they, they need of, of a view. So you become very highly intuitive. You know the kind, this kind of person. You know their temperament. So you know not to, mm. not to do this around, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but not everybody has that kind of like experience and childhood. So for them, it's like, yeah, I'm used to asking for what I want in life. So if you don't ask me, I'm not going to know. <laughs> <laughs> you know um so i think yeah what are the things you do every day to rediscover and love yourself so i, I started keeping a second journal um and that one was like my i call it like so i call it like my 
meditation journal meets but it's not i don't write long thing i don't write any long statements inside i don't journal every day so whenever there's something heavy on my head or my heart i write it but if not i don't journal every day um so it could be heavy or just light but then i kept a certain a particular journal this this one is on my it's like a proper notepad because the other one's just my laptop and so what i i find that whenever i go on walks in the morning i always i always call it like i get a reading and sometimes they're like the most basic things so it can just be a line that says you have to be patient and that, that's all i write in there so i just write the dates and i say you have to be patient so it's yeah so it's a weird kind of journal so i just whatever readings come to me you know there was one day it was just like you need to be comfortable waiting and that's all i wrote inside so some it's like a beam of like a sentence or something comes to me and i just like go so that's that's another journal i started keeping another thing i started doing is what i call like you have to dream actively so people oh, there's this idea that dreaming is this very subconscious thing i feel like you, it has to be an active practice of just like fantasizing do you know what i mean i think like we're sometimes we're so used we're so rooted in the practicalities of the world and the constrictions and the uh, and all the nonsense that it throws at you that the idea of fantasy is such a frivolous thing and i think that you need to get your mind and body engaged in those frivolities of what is your dream life like you know what is the house you want to live in what does it feel like do you want a garden do you want to grow herbs do you know what I mean? Do you want to just go hiking in the woods somewhere? Do you want to go and swim inside a stream? Like, dream of those, like, those weird and wonderful, like, actively. Wana, this thing you said, I, I don't know if anyone is listening and they're thinking, oh, yeah, no, sure, no big deal. Or what? Somebody asked this of me recently, mm. and I burst out crying in the middle of a sentence. They asked me to describe my ideal home mm -hmm. money is not an issue location whatever yeah. it is that could potentially be a bot doesn't exist they wanted me to dream and make it physical yeah. you know right down to what the brick would be like the painting on the wall the size of the room the smell of the gate when he opened it and i started speaking and i started shaking and i started crying and I said, you're asking me, oh God, I've got goosebumps again. You're asking me to do something that I've never felt like I had a right to do. And it's scary. I've never felt like I deserve to, or I would belong in a, in a place like mm -hmm. this. And so, you know, goes going back to that thing about window shopping again, where I'm just like, I'm not, until I physically have the cash to do certain things, I don't dream about it because... I don't want to. Oh God! Why are you? You see, I told you Let this episode go. is going to get Let weird. <laughs> like I don't. I've known what it's like to, to live without, you know. And there are times when it's painful, especially when you, you can't make sense of the why, or you don't understand why you're why it's something you deserve or you're being punished for or any of the other whys, basically. And so to, to hide away from the, to, to sort of shelter away from the pain of that, what I've just done over the years and for a number of years is just don't dream. 
Because you can't be hurt by dreams that don't come true because you never dreamt it in the first place, right? And so I was shaking as I, as a bit, a little bit like I am now. And I started crying and I said, this is so scary. And this person kept pushing and said, no, push through it. Push through it. You have to dream it. You know, and don't worry about if you ever get that house. Matter of fact, why, why can't you ever get that house? It's not impossible. It's not. And whatever it will take to get there is what it takes to get there. But you need to see whether you want lavender at the gates, whether you want, you know, a palm tree, whether you want street lights <laughs> and gates men or not. Like, say it. You know, like, and it's it's real. That's the thing. Like, it's not, these things are not you, anybody being victimizing themselves. These are very real emotions. Um, when you have been just in the doldrums for so long, when all your life, all you've known is how to adapt and survive, anything else just feels like you're asking for too much. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Everything else, everything, and it's not even about physical things. Sometimes even just wanting, wanting people that can be like this or do this, or it's, it's like you're asking for too much out of life. You know, but again, it, like one thing I've learned is that all of this is a practice. You have to, you mm. push through the wall. You continue to practice it. I've been living out of a suitcase since 2008. Mm. I've told you this before. We, I forget what conversation we're having. And it wasn't until 2018 that I unpacked and hung things in a cupboard for the first time in 10 10 years or plus. And it was a very, in fact, the apartment that I moved into, they said, oh, you know, we'll give you the key on this day and whatever it is. And um, my furniture wasn't ready. And the friend I was staying at, um, Lisa, you know, yes, Lisa, yeah. I was staying at Lisa's house. And, you know, it was one of those ones where, okay, let's wait till your furniture is ready. I said, you don't understand. They gave me that key today. I'm going there today. And she was like, but I'm not chasing it. I said, no. It's, and this is part of the work, right? Yeah. It was very important for me that I walk in and I, I said, Lisa, I have to hang something today yeah. because it is, it, is, it is going to unlock something in my brain. Mm -hmm. And if I do not do it, I'm going to continue to, you know, you just, you just continue to allow your day and your month and your year yeah. to shift. And then a year becomes a decade. And then it's another one of, you know, just letting other mm -hmm. things matter more mm -hmm. than what should matter. Yeah. And yeah, it went two years ago for the first time I hung something up and, and the next thing I did, I went and I went to flower shop and I bought flowers mm. and I put it in a vase. I bought a mattress that same day. I put the mattress on the floor. I took a picture. I still have that picture and I slept on the floor with yeah. my flowers and I had, I think maybe three things hung, hanging in the wardrobe. And I told myself, you are not homeless. You are not homeless. Mm -hmm. And it just... So sorry. <laughs> Please, why are you apologizing? I don't like this. Express yourself. Let it go. Let it out. It's, it was... It was everything. And... Um, oh, I can't you know something what that, you Something that you have to learn as well is to trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like you've, you've been, you've had all these tools, all these skills to survive to this point. That should let you know 
what you're capable of, any fantasy you have, you know that you will do what it takes to be there to get there. Do you know what I mean? So rather than see your experience as this thing that is going to limit your vision, see it as something that's going to expand your vision. You have the resilience. You have the stomach for it. Why not dream? Over the top fantasy life. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to be this, wearing this like nice like silk boo-boos, you know, and earthy jewelry, blah, blah, blah. And I know like I laugh about it, but I do want majority of that life. Like that's the honest truth. But something I'm also very interested in is like, so even of those things, what, how can you incorporate some of those things that you want and you like into your life now? Into your present So that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, I may not be able to afford spa day every week with the girls, but I can try once a quarter, mm, <laughs> mm, you know, I don't think it's going to kill me to do it four times a year or twice a year. Do you know what I mean? So like all the things like, just how can you have like scaled down version? So you actually feel like you are deliberately living the life that you want. It doesn't feel so far away. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you want to, you talk about, you want to have a day where you chill out with your friends. Like we may not be able to afford to go to like a hotel or whatever and and book five, 10 rooms down, but we can all be in one person's house and have lots of drinks and have a great time or get a private chef who is, and everybody contributes to it. Like, but how do you want like your life to be? You know, how do you want to move through the world? Emotionally, how do you want to move through the world? If you're saying, I want to be in like relationships where there is ease, how am I going to create that ease for myself? You know, whether, how am I going to learn how to communicate differently that is going to make me feel safe and feel secure? How do I, I need to tell the people in my life that this is what I need of you. This is what I require of you. So even as I'm doing, you know, y'all know that I like to, <laughs> we like it to be mutual. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. all of those kinds of things, like, what, what means stuff to you? Like, I, like, and that's the thing in like, you know, when people come into your life, like allowing them to know what, what means something to you because you do the same for them and hopefully you do the same for them, you know? Um, and also even, and I mean, I, I, I do sound sometimes like, oh, friendships are all these very like utopic things, but no, it's also knowing them enough and knowing their darkness to be able to hold space for them Yeah. when they can't be there for you. Yes, yes. You know, and not holding that against them. Do you know what I mean? Like, absolutely, it's all of those things. But it's it's starting with part of this thing about deserving is that we must open our mouth to say the things that we want. You know, we must open our mouth. And I feel like that's part of the journaling thing for me is confessing it. It's like a literal mm-hmm. confession. I want this. I remember there was one. I wish I could even bring journal. I, I don't mind even reading something to you. I remember there was one day I was saying. I want my mother to carry my children. That was, I was literally saying that, you know? Growing up, we have friends who, who talk about things like, oh, you know, I had a Barbie doll, I had a Wendy doll. Yeah, so I, I have babies and all no, of this no, stuff. No, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, I used to get, they used to buy books for me every weekend to read. And I loved it. So I'm not mm. even saying that, you know, it was a, it was a punishment or whatever. They, they, my, my mom knew my language wasn't Barbie doll. It was books mm. or whatever. But even, you know, over the, the decades growing up when, friends are talking about oh i want to be engaged by this age and i want to have kids by this age and whatever it is it was never part of my own personal vocabulary and my mom is is getting old now she's um been sick a few times and my mom is one of those people who i absolutely want to just I mean, destroy is the wrong word, but it's the mm. one that comes to mind. I want to destroy her with 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 good life. <laughs> I want yeah. her to just be like, I don't know what to do with this. It's too much. It's excessive. Yeah. And 
for every month that goes by that I'm not able to spoil her in the way I want to, I feel like a failure. Mm. And for every month that goes by, I wake up and I'm praying and negotiating with God that I need you to keep this woman alive. And anytime she gets sick, I feel so guilty yeah, because I'm the one keeping you here and you're in pain. And then my prayer changes to, I need you to be alive, but I need you to be in good health. Mm. because I don't just want you to be here just getting on by and there's something she asks for of me is that you know she'd very much and my mom is so liberal and she's not calling me every day and saying you must be married by force you must have kids by force but I I, I, I know that she would like to see that and, I, and it's weird because I'm also the person who is so worried about like I've never really thought about having kids or anything but I would also want her to be able to. But, but then again, I'm like, look, you have you have grandchildren, you have you know god grandchildren, you have so many things. Like, woman, don't stress me, you're all right. Um, but there's so many things I want to do for her in her lifetime. Um, my grandmother, there were some prayers and promises I made that and things I would do for my grandmother, and she passed away. Um, as you remember from from that time mm-hmm, when I of course, that yes. horrible set, and it was actually what made me spiral then. So when you called me that day and talked me off the ledge. You know, it's, there's still parts of that conversation we had that still remains because I'm thinking, shit, I couldn't do it for my grandmother. God, please don't let it be the same thing I'm saying about my mother. You know, because after her, I really do not know (laughs) how I'm going to look at myself in the mirror again, Mm. you know, so. I mean, I I feel like... (laughs) <laughs> I feel like with parents, I mean, we always have all these things we want to do and give our parents and we have all these great grand monumental plans a lot of the time. But I think half the time, you know, what they need is just feeling your presence, right? Mm. Like feeling your presence. Like talk, something, Like sometimes I think you'd be surprised that just talking to her about the fact that you're worried about something is, Wanna, if is I such I a big If I call this woman today or send her a text, she will act like I just gave her a million pounds. I'm like, all I did was say hello. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, because you've made me so happy by calling today. She will go off on one. And I'm just like, I literally just called to say hello. Like, I haven't done anything. Yeah. So sometimes we focus on this very, very, like, just focus on what's in front of you. We mm. focus on these very grand things. But like, all we just, all people just need to know that we're there. We're, we care for them. We love them. Mm. We can, you know, we can do thoughtful things when we can, when we get the opportunity to. And, and you know, it's enough. Mm. It honestly is. Everything else that comes is always a blessing. It's a bonus. And I think that's another thing about self-care, which is, being in a perpetual state of gratitude. You have to constantly just constantly remind yourself of the things around you, the things that you have, the things that are here, the things you're capable of doing. All these experiences, they all add up. I didn't think I'd make it past 27. That was an actual fear of mine. When I got there and I got signed to the agency, that was the moment that I knew that this was what I was going to do with my life. In pursuit of your dreams, falling down is inevitable, but getting back up is optional. Thank you for listening to the Unsullied podcast. If you'd like to talk about this episode on social media, please use the hashtag T-U-W-O-G. And if you want to share this on with somebody, you can use linktree forward slash O-R-E-K-A-G-O-D-I-S. Now, all this information, you don't have to cram it. It's in the show notes. So just scroll. Scroll now. It's there.
Thank you. If I was good, good, good. What's the scariest um, decision or moment or fight that you've ever had? In retrospect, was it worth it? Should you have done it sooner? Would you walk through that door again? I think my last relationship was like five years long. And I was, I was just like delaying the whole, the inevitable with the, you know, where is this thing going and all of that sort of stuff. And yeah, and I was just like delaying it and delaying it for so long, <laughs> uh, where technically I think I kind of knew it wasn't going anywhere. And eventually I was like, okay, you got to give me an answer. What, what is, what are we doing? Like, where is this thing going? Is this, is this a forever situation or are we just coasting here? And then he was like, well, you know, I think it's time for us to move on and all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, five, you waited for five years, you know? Um, but I think that was like an example. That was a, not example. That was one of the things that I, that made me understand that if you don't open your mouth, mm. nothing is going to happen. Which is weird because people say things like when you ask somebody, I want blah, blah, blah. And they'll say, well, I want doesn't get because you're asking in a rude way. Mm. But sometimes that's yeah. the other side of that. Well, you absolutely should no, want. I think, it's about, I, think, I think you should. Yeah, I think you're allowed to want things. And I think you're, you sh you, if you know what, you, what it is that you want, then, you know, you state it. I think it's important. I think clarity is important. Yeah. yeah. You know? I think clarity is important. And if, you, if you're not comfortable, that's the thing. If you're not comfortable, then you should open your mouth. So I think a part of me was, there was probably an element of not feeling of, of, of self-worth. So it was like, maybe this person will, will find me so irresistible. Because you are, you know, darling, in the you end, are very <laughs> like, no, no. let's make no mistake. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. <laughs> They're just going to take the piss and continue mm. enjoying all your fabulousness, you know, until it's time, until you say, it's, you know, and I actually eventually asked the guy, I was like, so why didn't you, if you didn't want this thing to go any further or like, you know, to be a lifetime thing, why didn't you say earlier? He said he felt that I mean, as far as he was concerned, I was the kind of person who, Nobody can tell me if, if I wanted to stay, I would stay. If I wanted to go, I would go. It's like nobody could force me into being in something. So basically, it was, it was putting on me that it is on you, on your head. It was on your head, <laughs> which is really silly. But at the end of the day, the point is that if you, you, know, if you want something, you have to say okay. it. What's the most embarrassing yeah. thing that's ever happened to you? But don't tell me the story. Just give me it okay. in forwards and forwards only. Forward, no explanation. I thought, yeah. Okay. A tree. <laughs> it's not even what you think, actually. It's not what you think at all. It's honestly not what you think. But it is a tree. It has to do with money and bread. What's the fourth word? <laughs> and house. Yeah, those are the th things I'll... <laughs> You had me at tree, first of all. At tree. I know that tree. You're just like, girl, what? <laughs> I was like, no, not yet. We're not that adventurous. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, so we're about to wrap up. I'd like you to recommend a book okay. or two, please, that we absolutely must read. And as I'm saying that, mm. and I, w I do want you to answer, it's just occurred to me that why is it that Cain Prize goes every year and I haven't seen your name on the winner's list, Wana? <laughs> 
are you what doing to I don't us? Write fiction. What are you doing to us? <laughs> well, I don't write fiction. That's the reason. I know you so. say you don't write fiction. I, I know yeah. you say I you did don't write at uh-huh. some point. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because I we know you point. do. That's why I said I well, know. I just you. thought I wasn't very good at fiction. It. She does screenplay as well. Ask her if if we are lying, okay? And she does poetry, but for those who have read her poetry, you'll find that her poetry isn't just because there's some people who who are there's some poets who literally just do poetry. But I find that mm. why not tell stories in a way that her poetry lends itself to prose in a and she mm. does short okay. stories, collection of short stories, very yeah. beautifully as well. So again, I'm asking. Why you are not present on the because there's people like um Leslie. Oh, I always forget her last name. Yeah, Leslie Arima. Yes. I love I love that book. When a man falls from the sky. And I can't even begin to explain to you why I love it, but I like it. I haven't read that book, you know. But I hear it's so good. And there's so many elements of it in terms of the descriptive way she takes like she does this this thing that Again, in fact, let me not compare her work to yours because you are two separate people. However, I'm just saying. No, but you know what? I actually, so this is the thing. I, I just, I feel, I keep feeling like, I'm, and that's why I stopped writing fiction. I just thought I wasn't very good. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this thing does not feel like my strength. And I think and that was when I just like, I can't be bothered. You get it's very uncomfortable so for me to hear a, a version of Wana that has imposter syndrome and is allowing it to control her, where she has refused for it to control in other aspects. To be fair, I wouldn't say it's imposter syndrome. I think what it is is that I like being good at stuff, right? And yes. so I think because there was just a point, I, I, I think what it was was that I wasn't making headway with fiction. Okay. And so I just felt like, you know what? Let's move on to the thing that is making is making sense or something, you know. And I think and fiction also is a very sort of jealous type. Oh, it is. It's very needy. Yes, it's very needy. So it requires like your undivided attention. And I think it was like I I can't survive <laughs> just trying to focus on this thing. Well, now this is why the Holy Spirit told me that you're going to be America for two years, not three months. <laughs> Amen. I read this book. <laughs> so. So yeah, I think that that was what the issue was with fiction. Okay, thank you. Please go back to recommending your book. I'm I'm done telling you off now. <laughs> so recommending books. Ooh. Um, <laughs> so I would recommend um, Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown, and I think it's about it's Braving the Wilderness. The something about being alone, like basically the courage mm. to stand alone, is what it's called. Um, I think it's a really good book. Um, my friend Marcel recommended it to me, and I was like, I read it, I loved it. Um, so I think people should, there's just, there's so, and it's, the book is not new, but I'm re- when I was reading it, there's just so much that was corresponding with the times and things that were happening now. And I was like, wow, it's like, this one was predicting stuff. So I really, really like it. And it really taught, it really does talk about this idea of like, you know, courage and bravery and what those thing me- things mean to a very, in a very individual level. So it's not about doing anything grand, but it's about, com- it's really about confronting yourself. And being okay with who you are, where you are, um, I think. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a really good book to read. Um, of course, um, I'll give a poetry book, which is which is a book that I love and I go back to so much. Um, Watson Shire's Teaching Your Mother How to Give Birth. 
And I, and I say this because I feel like even if you don't like poetry, because I know there are lots of people that don't like poetry. They're like, poetry, so blah, blah, blah. It's just but so, people who you know, say that, I find honestly, that um, there's so many different types of poets. There's so many different types of poems. And yes, you might just have been yes. re- reading um, a particular type of poetry that's not doesn't connect with you. Doesn't mean that that's what they're all like. For example, there was a time when I didn't love poems. And then I read Caroline Duffy and I was like, oh, okay. You speak, you do the kind of poetry that I would do if I did poetry, where... Yes. Like, it's funny because I was telling... uh, There's so many poetry... Like, there's so many poetry books and poets that I'm discovering even now. And I I keep saying, like, I'll... I have a conversation with a friend. I was like, why why were these books so inaccessible? It's like the accessible poems were inaccessible. I like poems that really... Like, I feel like I can see images in my head when I'm reading them, you know? And so, like, because I always say, like, words have feelings they're very tangible things for me and I, there's nothing like reading a poem that makes you feel like oh i know this feeling or i want this feeling right and um and i feel like a lot of the time people have people don't have access to to those works and that's why they're always like poetry is a beats blah 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 i don't even understand what they're saying yeah <laughs> or i don't or some people, some people just go i don't get it i don't get it you know and yeah and yeah so i was teaching your mother how to give birth is a good one Thank you. Yeah. And finally, how do we find you on Dizani's internet? <laughs> Dizani's internet. I'm all over the internet. So on Twitter, I am Miss Wanawana. That's M-I-S-S Wanawana. Um, the N is a single N, by the way, just in case. <laughs> um, and then on um, Instagram, I'm Miss Wanawana. So it's M-S Wanawana. Um, but how do you prefer to be engaged on the, um, on the internet? And um, any 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 forms fine by me, to be honest. Um, I'm also my website is www.wanawana.net. <laughs> so I'm wanawana.net on um, yeah, that's my website. And then you can yeah, you can reach me. My email's in there anyway, so you can always reach me through yeah, any of the above. And- All of this will be in show notes below, including links to both of her current albums. Yeah. I say current because at the time you're listening to this, she might have four more out. So don't think I hate (laughs) the four new ones. I absolutely love them. She just hadn't made them yet at the time we recorded this. Um, So the links will be be in there. Wana also hasn't mentioned that she sometimes does workshops as well for people. So... Um, I don't know. Have you been able to do any? I haven't done anyone recently, but yeah, I'm working on like a, like I'm working on like a poetry workshop, and I'm also working on a like a, a workshop for creatives as well. I so, saw this tweet you did. Was it this week or last yeah, week? Teaching awesome. people how to price their market yes, and to yes, be a, yes. aware of costing. That sometimes when you do things, you need to bill per region mm-hmm. and don't just think it's a small thing. And Absolutely. this is a lesson that Wana has given me at least three times in recent <laughs> times and I, I i refuse to learn it well so when no, i saw you, that you, tweet, you, you are getting yeah, there you'll master I'm, it again yeah, well you know yeah. see i i keep telling you something which is all of this stuff is practice honestly you don't wake up and ask for a certain amount of money that you want instantly it doesn't happen like that you know first time you say you know what i'm just going to try and push it and ask for you know 500k extra or 200 dollars extra and then you're like, oh, okay. And then you, you just, it just, you, you get confident by doing, you know, you, you, you practice your power. You know, we talk about, again, this thing about like concepts have to be made tangible. 
So you yeah. you know we talk about like standing in your power and how you have to stand in your power and move in your power. It's cute when you say it. Was, how is it going to work in real life? exercise of it. Yes. yes. So you have to make those things exercises. You have to dream actively. You have to ask actively. You know, you have to ask for stuff if you want it. Even if you're afraid. It's okay to be afraid. Just say, okay, let me not push it too far because I still need the job. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But you try, you know, and, and then you know that, okay, so I can do this. So I can, I can push the needle a bit and I keep pushing. And so before you know it, rather than like run, sprint, you don't need to sprint like, you know, you go, don't need to go on like some long sprint. You can just go on like a nice walk, step, step, step before you know you're there. So yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. No, it's very helpful. So I definitely recommend um, following her on social media to find out when her next workshops. And um, you said you have one mm. for creatives coming up as well. Um, the amount of free blessings I get from this woman, uh, I get it so that you can pay. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But you guys can pay. <laughs> so that you can pay. So when she says she's it. doing Zoom webinar, be exactly. donate her to her Patreon. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and when you pay in the reference, say this is on behalf of Oreka and I. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Oreka is your gift, is your discount yes. code. Yes, yes. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. I love it. Wana, thank you so Thank you for having very me. much. For I appreciate this. this. And you know I love you dearly, and I think oh, you're amazing, man. and you're doing incredible work. I knew to I'm be a proud of you. this episode because this emotional <laughs> kidney is just it just snuck up on me. I was laughing when I was laughing. Look. I was like, "It won't get me. It won't get me." And then she emotions are healthy. Again. Emotions are healthy. Nah. Nah. Inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> oh my day. My mother told me that she will buy me a rubber dolly if I was good.